Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. Today, we will continue looking at the Jew David Reich's book on ancient human DNA and ancient racial admixture, who we are and how we got here, which I've abbreviated using the acronym HGH for how we got here since I don't like the fact that Reich's title could lead some to confuse his work with Dr. William Pierce's Who We Are. With reference to part one last week, one of my listeners wrote to me saying, quote, I was fascinated by this weekend's ADV concerning racial divergence and purity. The divergence part makes sense to me. But about the purity part, I wondered about that. I know they are agitating for racial mixing because they want to fill in the density graph between the races, so you eventually have so many people who are of various mixture ratios that you can't tell who is who. Today, you can tell who is what race. And there are also many mixed people as well, but they want more of them to where everybody is a mix of the current races and those races blend together. That would seem to divert the natural evolutionary process and would be genocide. To me, that is critical. That cuts off the diverging path. So here is the part that seems tricky to me. If they nibble away at the margins like that and blur the distinctions, and you are in a position to seek a mate, you will have certain expectations along racial lines, and I guess you would say purity would be part of that consideration. The term purity in this case would refer to someone who had not been part of the recent mixing but had stayed very close to the main stem. You will want to find a person who is on the mainline path, and there will be fewer and fewer of them, harder and harder to identify. So it seems like we really need to resist them filling in the gaps and their constant nibbling away at the margins and blurring the racial landscape. In that sense protecting purity would seem to matter, close quote. Yes, purity in that sense does definitely matter. I don't say it doesn't matter. I just say it's been misunderstood. We must not allow the anti-whites to fill in the gaps and blur the lines of distinction. One cross with a black and evolution is set back many tens of thousands of years, at least in that line. And that line must now be rigorously excluded from our line. Anything which delays the time at which we will completely diverge from the other races is a problem. Any new cross between Europeans and non-Europeans does that severely. 
in a sane and reasonable moral system, that would be a sin. And it certainly is a sin from a cosmotheist perspective. Another listener wrote, quote, I wish that I could believe what you mentioned about it becoming impossible to mix and produce offspring with other races. Although most men who aren't black express that they are just not attracted to black women, which is a good thing, I still see far too many whites who are able to produce mongrels from the racially suicidal sin of mixing blood with non-whites. I truly wish that this type of bestiality never could produce offspring, any more than a lonely Arab molesting a female camel. Finally, yes, what an ironic name for the Jewish author. Close quote. Thanks for the note. Yes, his name is ironic. A colleague pointed out to me that Reich is the son of two famous Reichs, a novelist and director of the Holocaust Museum. So his nickname is the Third Reich. Pretty funny, but they won't be laughing at that forever, I predict. When we talk about evolution eventually progressing to the point where it would become impossible to produce fertile offspring with blacks, we may be talking tens of thousands of years, possibly much longer, or God forbid forever, if race mixing at the margins increases. Possibly much less time if a subgroup of whites separates itself completely and then takes charge of its evolutionary destiny by directing its own evolution, which is what the National Alliance intends to do over the next several centuries and more. Another writes, quote, I've just finished the book. There is nothing new presented. The purpose of the book is to advance a social agenda. If he could get away with being so disingenuous with his interpretation of the material in a scientific paper, he wouldn't have needed the book. I would not recommend the book, except for one remarkable section, entitled Real Biological Difference. It starts on page 254, 283 of the PDF. It is a must-read. For five pages, the author completely drops all pretense and speaks with a candor and honesty that is not only uncharacteristic of his people, but that contradicts the agenda that makes the rest of the book unbearable. Close quote. Yes, that section of Reich's book is essentially an admission that we racialists have been right all along. As I suggested last week, Reich wants to position himself as the teller of these hard truths, so he can then pull the rug out from under his readers and tell them how much the rich tapestry of mixing really drives evolution and defines what we are. 
one would expect no less from a racially motivated member of the Jewish anti-race. And to be charitable, maybe he can't help it. But lions can't help trying to eat your sister either, but that doesn't mean you should let them. Another remark on Part 1 deserves attention. Quote, The part I have a hard time believing is the part where Jews become racially more distinct over time. If they'd stayed in the Middle East like the Sephardic Jews, who I've never come across, not that I know of, then yeah. But with all their shape-shifting diaspora, taking on and mimicking the appearance of their unwilling host nations that they parasitize and leech from, many of them, especially in the Western world, appear whiter and whiter. Close quote. True. I think the Jews are a very peculiar type of human, a parasitic variety that depends on a degree of racial mixture in order to invade the host nation. Something similar has happened with other species, too, and other human races, though it is rare. I don't think that the general rules about divergence and purity I was articulating necessarily apply to Jews. There are several more excellent comments on last week's show, but there isn't enough time to discuss them here. So let's discuss Reich's crown jewel of mixture events, which he claims are a driving force of evolution. The mixture events that have resulted in all races except blacks having significant amounts of Neanderthal DNA. I note briefly that other so-called mixture events alleged by Reich in our lineage are actually just encounters between different varieties of ancient people we would instantly recognize as white if they stood before us today. The Neanderthals were an ancient race that is said to have migrated out of Africa through the Mideast and into Europe some 700,000 years ago, or 600,000 or more years before our pre-European ancestors did the same thing. It is claimed that Neanderthals were different enough from quote-unquote modern humans, a descriptor fraught with its own problems, to be classed as a separate species. Even though this contradicts the definition of species that multiracialists often use as a club on us when denying that blacks deserve their own species classification, the definition that says that if interbreeding with fertile offspring did occur, then there is no difference in species. First, in order for both Asians and Europeans to have this Neanderthal admixture, it is very likely that the admixture took place before Europeans and Asians were substantially differentiated. So we are hardly talking about 
Europeans mixed with Neanderthals, if we accept the basic thesis. Instead, we are talking about proto-Eurasians mixed with Neanderthals. Quite a different thing. It's doubtless more significant than, say, an admixture event that occurred between two subspecies of hamster-like creatures ancestral to humans 200 million years ago. But should we really be much more concerned about it? I don't think so. It doesn't change what we are, nor what we have done, nor what we can do, nor does it change one iota the existential dangers we face. Since East Asians have a somewhat higher percentage of Neanderthal gene patterns than Europeans, it also seems likely that the mixture with Proto-Eurasians occurred somewhat more on the path to Asia than on the path to Europe, and that any admixture once pre-Europeans entered Europe was minimal. Speaking of minimal, how much Neanderthal admixture is claimed anyway? We are talking about 1-2% to in Europeans. This is minimal, comparable to the percentage of white Americans who carry a small amount of non-white ancestry, usually without anyone being able to tell the difference, or even knowing about it themselves. And were these proto-Eurasians really at a different level of evolutionary development compared to the Neanderthals they encountered in the Near East? Those proto-Eurasians came, ultimately, from the same population substrate in Africa as did the Neanderthals. True, the Neanderthals migrated north long before the Proto-Eurasians and therefore likely came from a more primitive background, but they had also had much more time to evolve in regions in and near Europe. We know that the Neanderthals actually had larger brains than today's Europeans and Asians. We also know that they were culturally more advanced than was once believed. And remember, the Proto-Eurasians had, biologically speaking, just barely emerged from Africa, just barely differentiated from the Africans of that time when the encounter occurred. And the Africans of that time were likely even more primitive than the Africans of today. 50,000 years ago, when the Neanderthal admixture is said to have occurred, the Proto-Eurasian branch that eventually became European, one, was not in Europe yet, and two, was less than 30% or so along on its 60,000 to 80,000 year journey to becoming fully European. So it is quite conceivable to me that Neanderthals and Proto-Eurasians were roughly at the same evolutionary grade, having gotten there through parallel evolution. 
Another thing we should consider is that while evolution and racial species differentiation are going on, while the branches on the evolutionary tree sprout and grow, there is always, and must always be, a point where the branches touch. There are no hard lines on the evolutionary tree until full speciation takes place. And even then, a border gradation takes the place of a line, a border gradation which you cannot pass beyond a certain point. Some multiracialists have pointed out these gradations and argue that they mean that race does not exist. They note that there don't seem to be hard-edged racial boundaries. There are instead gradual changes. One can travel around the world, and as one does so, the racial types often seem to grade into each other. Well, one might as well argue that because there are no hard-edged boundaries between the tiny stream that feeds Lake Itasca, the lake itself, the Mississippi River, the Gulf of Mexico, and the Atlantic Ocean, that the Atlantic Ocean does not exist. They do have a point, though, which it would be obtuse to deny. Subspecies, races, grade into each other on the peripheries. This is as true of men as it is true of trout and sparrows. Hybridization, sometimes more common and sometimes quite rare, does occur in border areas. And gradation isn't always due to hybridization or mixing. It can also be due to a corresponding gradation in the factors driving evolutionary change in different areas. None of this prevents evolutionary divergence and speciation, however. And the evidence for that is right in front of your face in the hundreds or thousands of species of living things you can probably find in your backyard alone. And it certainly has not prevented highly distinct human types from diverging, an ongoing process. The reason this hybridization in border areas is not a threat to ongoing evolution is that the subspecies inhabit territories that do not overlap much, so that the heartland in which other subspecies are absent is much larger than the border area. Within the heartland, the race develops in its own unique direction, over time becoming more and more different from other races. The danger in what the Jews are doing, in knocking down and delegitimizing our borders, is that they are setting up a situation in which the heartland of our people no longer exists, in which every place is a border region, in which every place is a place where hybridization is more likely to happen. This genocidal program 
if carried on long enough, can be fatal to us. It amounts to genocide. I think that Reich's lies are lies of emphasis. Science is discovering more and more racial differences, more and more evidence of ever-increasing racial divergence with each passing day. And Reich wants to blunt these emerging truths with his stress on relatively less significant mixture events. He minimizes what is really the central fact of life on Earth, racial divergence and speciation, and exaggerates and over-dramatizes the subtext of occasional mixture events. Many of the mixture events he cites don't even rise to the racial level. Don't let yourself be deceived. A unique race has emerged in Europe. Our race. We have created philosophies, science, technology, literature, and art that far surpasses anything ever seen in the universe. We and no one else will be the builders of the bridge to the stars, which can and must be ours alone. <laughs>